0: So there's a reason for being mic It really has very little to do with those who are in the back. Sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive to those of you who are back there. It has more to do with the fact there's a camera on me right now. And we do record these and post them for our faith family who is still home, um, staying home, staying safe, um, following doctor's orders so they can kind of keep uh, keep up with what's happening. So uh, anyway, I do want to let you know, yes, I recognize your pastor is in a hoodie this evening. Um Uh, It is cold, and so some of you guys are already making fun of me going, wow, you're such a Floridian now. Yes, and amen, I am, and I'm okay with that. And so um, I've told Carol as I was walking in, there were two rules that I used to live by in life. One of them when I was younger, that if the temperature was ever above 60, I always wear flip-flops. That has since changed because the older I get, the more my feet look like the feet of hobbits. And so I will spare you what that looks like. Um, but the other unwritten rule is if the temperature was ever below 60, that is called hoodie weather. And so um, somebody asked me, and I was telling Carol this too earlier, that somebody asked me, well, what do you do when the weather is like 40 to 50 in the morning and it warms up to above 60 in the afternoon? I was like, on those days, you wear a hoodie with shorts and flip-flops, you cover all your bases, and you're good to go. So anyway, so yes, today tonight is just about comfort and about warmth um, because uh, somebody was telling me, and you, my Floridians, uh, in the room, like natives, you, you folks who've been here all your lives, tell me if they're wrong. They said that even though this was normally the type of temperature we get in this state, this has been the longest amount of time we've been dealing uh, with this cold weather. Is that correct? We I'm, I'm, We normally get two days and then that's it, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I remember. And so in my recent history, but this, this extended cold, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm liking it, but Uh, Man, I tell you what, it's getting to a point where we're starting to chill the bones a little bit And I don't know how your house is, but I am a firm believer that living in Florida You should never cut on your heat And so I don't know if my heat works, but I'm not going to find out And so um, we don't turn it on in the house And so anyway, all that to say, it does get just a wee bit chilly So I know, you are you laughing at me? No, you're causing strife Am I I causing strife? (laughs) To whom? Oh, in this house? Oh, Thackers, I'm so sorry. Okay, I apologize. It's a sin if you don't what? Run the heat? No, see, I think when you cross the state line in the Florida, it's there's a rule that says no heat allowed. So unless it's natural from the Lord. Yeah, it's at the Welcome Center. It's one of those rules. Like Article 4, Section 3, living in Florida. Do you have the heat on at your house? Oh, no. Wait a minute. She's not here to defend herself. You can't. Wait a minute. Hold on. do hey. Would you? Oh well, yeah. I mean, I have a wife too. My wife like when it's 90 degrees, she'll say it's cold. So, say what? She would never come out Well, hey, there you go. So. it. No, you're good. No, that's okay. Ruin it all the way. So, it's I am judging you harshly now, so anyway, so uh, anyway, it's good to see you guys. We are going to be looking at Psalm 138 tonight, so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd invite you to turn with me there as uh, we're going to read through Psalm 138, so I just want to talk briefly about it for a moment. Um, and then we'll jump into the Psalm 138, and then we'll, how we'll close our time tonight is we're going to close with just some focused prayer tonight, okay? So um, from the Psalm, and then just some, uh, some other items that we probably need to be praying for as a faith family in light of so much happening. So again, welcome. It's so good to have you guys here. I'm thankful for you. Um, thankful that you're here, that you're with us. Um, we are going to take some time again to walk through Psalm 138 together as you just sang about it. Now we're going to read it and talk about it, focus on prayer again, um, and then we'll go from there. So looking at Psalm 138, when you read Psalm 138, you need to recognize that uh, beginning with Psalm 138, this is actually one of eight Psalms um, that are in this particular section that are all credited to David. And so this one in particular is a Psalm of Thanksgiving. And so literally they can all be read um, together. So in reading this particular psalm. We're going to read it. It's brief, and then we're going to break it down really into three sections and kind of really get at the heart of what David is talking about, what he's dealing with, but more importantly, how David is leading the people um, in their worship as well. So let's just read this together. Psalm 138. Again, a psalm of David. We recognize that, and here's what David writes in Psalm 138 verse 1. He says, "'I give you thanks, O Lord,' with my whole heart before the gods i sing your praise i bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above uh, you have exalted above all things your name and your word on the day i called you answered me my strength of soul you increased All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for this day, and we thank you for your truth. We thank you for just the blessing and the opportunity to to know your word, to sing of your word. And Father, we just ask that in these next few moments that we have together, Father, help us as we study your word to learn more about you and what it is that you have called us to. So Father, prepare our hearts for your truth tonight, and we pray that you and you alone would be glorified. Father, we love you, and it's in your precious and holy name we pray, amen. So again, breaking down Psalm 138, here in the three simple sections, we ought to move through this pretty quick, and then a couple points that might stand out to you. So if you're one of those folks that underline in your Bible, try to uh, keep up with me as we walk through this together. So uh, let's look at section one, which will be verses one through three. Here is where David opens this entire Psalm by thanking God for answered questions prayer. In fact, when we read again in verse 1, David says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods I sing your praise. Now notice what David is doing already in verse one. He is he is thanking God with everything that he is. That's why we see this phrase with my whole heart. You see clearly already in verse one, David understood not only what God has done in the past, but what God is presently doing through Israel to Israel and to David. So clearly David is painting this picture that he is eternally grateful, not only for the things that God has done, but also for what God is doing. And then he's already preparing the people to praise God for what it is that God will do in their future as they continue to walk with them. So you get this idea of just thankfulness and gratefulness and really just overall joy that comes from David. Even in the midst of trying circumstances, he is looking to the Lord with all joy. Now, we get to the second half of verse 1, and we have a really interesting phrase here. Because, you see, David gives us this phrase, before the gods... I sing your praise. Now, many people have circled this phrase and have actually wondered and debated at the meaning of this particular phrase. And there are several schools of thought about what it means. And there's one that I believe is more correct than the other, but there are several scholars who would actually argue that David is speaking of the angelic beings that really make up the heavenly council. And so for scholars who believe in that, they believe that God sits upon his throne, that the angels are around him, almost think of it like sitting around the Lord, focused on Him, worshiping him, and David here is speaking of how he will sing praise to the name of our Lord in the presence of all the heavenlies, in the presence of the council. Another group of scholars believe that David could be speaking of these other gods, which obviously would be non-existent. So he's speaking out against other religions and their deities. And he says, no, I praise the one true God. Now, each of these could be good and right, but the one that I think gives a little more credence and uh, one that actually is given more credit by many of our scholars is they actually believe... Um, that uh, David here is singing to, uh, singing before the gods, singing praise to God before the gods, and it's similar to what it is that we read when we go back and read Psalm 82, because when you go back to Psalm 82, you actually see the same phrase, and the word for gods, lowercase that's used there, is actually the word Elohim, which is also the word that's used to describe human Judges as far back as Exodus 21, 6 and Exodus 22, verses 8 and 9. Now, Psalm 82 gives us a clearer picture of that because, particularly when you focus on verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 82, you get a glimpse of the human nature and the human characteristics of these gods, if you will. So if you were to paraphrase uh, verse one in particular, it would probably read more like this, particularly the second half of that verse. It would probably say, Before the judges I sing your praise. So now remember who the judges are, okay? Don't think of them in terms of how we think of judges today in our our Supreme Court, our justices, and our circuit courts, and our federal courts, our state courts, not those type of judges. We're talking more like the book of Judges, these great leaders over Israel. And so David is saying, yes, in the midst of these great leaders, God, I choose to sing your praise over all of them. And so here again, you have David painting us a picture of how it is God who is the great one. It is God who is greater than all these judges. It is God who is greater than all these leaders. And if anybody deserves the praise, it's God. And so what David is doing already in verse one is not only just giving thanks to God, but he's acknowledging that God, even in the leaders, that lead our nations, that lead our regions. Father, you are the one who is over them and you are the one by your sovereign hand. You have chosen them to lead during this time. Now, this is actually something that we should probably pay a little more attention to in light of all of our circumstances in our country. You see, David here is praising God in the midst of other great leaders and others who can be considered ones in authority over the nations and so for us as we look at verse one we need to realize that when encountering people of authority we still should see that as an opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ even if that means our authority asks us to pray. Now, here's what I mean by that. You guys, I've already spoke to it. I'm not going to elaborate on it. We heard a horrific prayer to open up uh, this session of Congress. And so I I don't want to tie two events together, but it's no wonder what happened the next day is what happened, because I don't know what that particular pastor was praying for, but it was not the God of the heavens and the universe. And so one of the things that we need to recognize and realize is even if we are given the opportunity to pray before leaders, we have an opportunity to look beyond those leaders and see the one who put them there, the one who sustains them in their positions. And so even in our prayer, we have an opportunity to praise the name of God, to praise the name of Jesus Christ, because it is only by his grace that they are in the positions they lead. And so dare I say this, God is not surprised by who the next president is. God has allowed it. God ordained it. And so here's the reality. Joe Biden will be our next president. And so as Christians, we have a responsibility to pray for him. As Christians, we have a responsibility to look to the God of the heavens and pray, Lord, by your will and according to your grace, pierce the heart of that man so he will know you as Lord. And Father, help him to be faithful to your will. Not the will of the people, not the will of the country, but your will, O oh Lord. And then you can close that prayer by saying, Amen, which means, may it be so. Okay, just to clarify. and Yes, I know I harped on that this morning with amen versus "I woman. My favorite meme that I've seen about that so far is I've never seen a pastor screw up two languages and that brother did it that day. Screwed up the English and Hebrew, really bad. So anyway, um, that made me chuckle on the inside. If you don't know what that means, study the word amen, you'll figure it out, okay? So, Having said that, that's what David is doing here. He's saying, even in the midst of great leaders, God, I'm choosing to worship you in the midst of of whoever the leader is, no matter what authority they have, no matter what respect is due because of the title of their position. God, I'm choosing you and I'm choosing to praise you. And even in the midst of that leader, I'm gonna talk about you and who you are and how I'm thankful for what you have done because I realize, this is David, I realize that whether it's David himself or these great leaders, these great judges that I'm standing in front, of God they only exist because you allow it and so father we praise you we move from there and we get into verse 2 and notice what David says here he says I bow down toward your holy temple and then he continues and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So here we see David thanking God for his love, thanking God for his faithfulness. But again, notice this bow down that he talks about in verse two at the beginning of it. Here, David is giving us a posture of humble worship before the most high God. And so now look at what David's done in two verses. In the first verse, he acknowledges God for God. God, I see you for who you are. And secondly, we see David's response to that. God, I see you for who you are, the great leader who has ordained all leaders, all rulers, all judges. You've ordained it, you've allowed it. And so God, what I choose to do today is I choose to humbly come to you in worship. Now think about that for a moment. Because you see, currently we live in a society, we live in a nation that allows us to freely gather. Take it a step further, we live in a society that allows us to not only freely gather, but it allows us to put churches every other block as if we were playing Monopoly, but for churches, okay? You can't You can't literally, I don't know if any of you, I'm looking around, I don't know if any of us can drive home tonight without passing at least one other church, right? Is there somebody who can say, no, brother, this is the only church I pass? If you do, then you probably have a tent right here on the side of our property, Which that's okay, I just wouldn't recommend it tonight, okay? Unless you have a fire pit, then by all means, according to God's grace, go. And if Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department says anything to you, you pray the will of God. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, But you'll have my affirmation. So anyway, all that to say, I think we all pass a lot of churches. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want us to realize that it is a privilege for us to come to worship. We come to worship because God allows us to come to worship, God ordained it for us to be here. He ordained the Southside to be right here the same way First Baptist is ordained to be where they are and Bell Shoals is ordained to be where they are and so many sister churches around us are ordained to be where they are. They're there because God has allowed. And so what is David's posture? Notice it's not look at me, look at my kingdom, look at what I've done for you, God. I'm coming to your house And I demand to sit on the second row because that's where the air is the coldest. Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. That's fixed. No, he comes in humbly. He comes in and says, God, this exists. I exist because of who you are. And so notice he bows at the temple, recognizing, again, the greatness and the magnificence of God. We then get into verse 3, and notice he says this. He says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Now, again, this phrase, on the day I called, you answered. Here again, we are now finding the motivating factor for David's praise to God. You see, we're now seeing why David bowed in humble worship. We're seeing why David gives thanks to God before all the leaders. You see, David realizes that when he calls out to God, God answers him. And here's the beauty of it. That holds true of us today. I mean, just have you ever pondered that thought? I mean, just... Have you ever really thought about what that's like for a moment? I mean, we were we we're just a few short weeks removed of watching uh, Two Planets Align, which was actually kind of cool. I remember the one, one night I was with Corey when we saw it, and we were both looking up there going, wow, that's really interesting. And wish I had a telescope, but moving on, you know what I mean? It was just kind of one of those things. And a lot of people got some great photos, but you see all these beautiful things happening in the heavens. And then if your home is like mine, uh, every now and then I've got, uh, children and, and friends, children who like to come over and they like to watch all these crazy nature shows and, um, just all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of, I was watching one the other day that, um, actually Neil introduced me to, um, his infatuation with sharks. And I'm watching this show going, that is the biggest shark I've ever seen. And I was amazed because I watched these guys tag the shark and they were following it all up and down and around the coast and they were showing you all this stuff that it does. and I'm like, this is un, but this is all happening. Like I am at the beach and this is happening. And then it got me thinking about whether or not I need to be in the water uh, when I'm at the beach. But either way, I was thinking about all these things and I was like, this is the magnificence of God. Like God spoke this into existence. And yet that same God who can align planets, that same God who can set our solar system into motion, that same God who brings the waves in and then tells them when to go back out, that same God who creates these terrifying and yet magnificent shark creatures, that same God who gave us sand and warmth and cold, that same God is the God who hears us when we pray. I mean, that is a magnificent and a mighty God. And then notice what David says. He says, God, I praise you and I thank you because, man, when I call to you, you answer. Now, notice notice what David does not do here. Notice that David doesn't say, when I call to you, you say yes. Notice that. God's not a genie. Notice he doesn't say, God, when I call to you, you magically pop up and make everything right. Like a... Box of Lucky Charms. That's not what God does. But what he does do is this. God seated upon his throne with the heavenlies around him the one who spoke creation into existence, the one that by his grace, his love and his mercy gave us Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his son to die on a cross for a death that we deserve because of our sin and yet he took that upon himself. Three days later, he rose from the grave, he spent time, 40 days with people and then he ascended, that God who orchestrated all of that, the same God who gave us the very word of God, that God Our God hears us when we pray. Wow. Can I encourage you that as you're praying, would you just take a few moments as you're praying to think upon who God is before you pray? Because I'm going to tell you, if you begin thinking upon who God is before you pray, I promise it's going to change your prayer life. Things are going to be a little different as you pray. Because all of a sudden, like David, we're gonna put God back in God's perspective and realize just how great he is and how wonderful it is that we can even call out to his name. Now, we move from there into the second section, which is verse four through six. And here we see uh, promised thanksgiving that's gonna come by the kings of the earth. Now, again, if you look at verses four and five, you see this phrase that David's talking about. He says, all the kings of the earth. Now, here again, David David knew and understood that his his worship his worship alone was really unworthy of God because he acknowledged that even though God accepts his worship he understood that he didn't deserve to be in that moment worshiping the God. He also understood at that moment that he knew he would not be alone worshiping God. And so literally what we have is David here in verses 4 and 5 dreaming of a day when all the nations would come together and worship. So when you read verses four and five, coming off this thanksgiving of who God is, and you look at verse four and five, literally we're seeing David dream of what worship will one day be like when Jesus Christ returns. This is where we can flip over to Revelation and we read of the great multitude from every nation and tribe and tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, that's a powerful thing to think about because the reality is this. We may live our lives here on this earth and we may never see a day where all the nations come together to worship Jesus. We probably won't see that day until Jesus Christ returns. In fact, if the Lord tarries, which is again fine because it's up to his providential plan and his will on when uh, he comes back, we may go and be called home to glory before that day ever comes. But one thing we can rest in is knowing this, that even though we may never see the day where the nations come together to worship, we can rest in knowing that there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so that day we can rest in knowing is coming. And on that day, All will know, whether you believed or you didn't, because it doesn't matter. All will know the greatness of the Lord our God. Now, let me clarify what I mean by it doesn't matter. Does faith in God matter? Yes, absolutely. But whether we believe in God or whether we don't believe in God, he is still God. He is still sovereign regardless of what we believe. It's just by his grace, he has revealed himself to us and allows us that blessing. So there is a day coming where those who believe and those who don't will bow before the Lord and confess that he is God. What a great day that will be for those who believe. Verse six, we move on from there and we read David say, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. Now let's just pause there. I don't know if you underline in your Bibles or not, or you highlight, but that is a phrase I would underline. By the way, there's a phenomenal book out. If you're looking for a great book to read in 2021, can I recommend to you Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly? Um, that is one of the most encouraging books that you will read. I'm actually going through, I've, I've actually just finished that book before Christmas, and I've decided to start my new year by rereading that book um, because it was just an incredible encouragement. But anyway, Pausing here, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. I love this verse because I want us to hear what David is getting at. You see, even though the Lord is the great king of the universe... And we've already done that tonight. We've already acknowledged God for who God is. That's why we started our time where we praise the Lord in adoration, okay? So there's already been this moment where we have set aside to praise God for his attributes, to praise God for his characteristics. And uh, several folks often will praise God for just the different names of God that are a reflection of who he is. So even though the Lord is the great king of the universe, our God still loves his people enough to regard them, which is what David says, or we could better translate to care for them. So pay attention to this. Not only does God answer us when we pray, but our God now cares for us. This is why we can pray, um, Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for delighting in us. Why? Because we see right here in verse six that our Lord regards or he cares for the lowly. And so man, we can praise God in any situation we're in. Because whether we're celebrating the greatest victory or we're finding ourselves in the midst of the deepest hurt, our God still cares for us. And so we have much to be thankful for. We move from there into our final section here in verses 7 through 8. And in this section, we see David showing us what it means to be, to show thankfulness to God, knowing not only who God is, but what God has done. And this thankfulness that we've been thanking God for now leads to great confidence, both within David and also within the people. Look again with me at verse seven. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Now, this particular trouble that David's talking of, he's not speaking of anything specific to his life and what was happening in that moment. Rather, the trouble he's speaking to is more general to David and not specific to any particular moment. Thus, what David is doing is he's actually written words that now enables all worshipers to be able to apply this same thought, to apply the same prayer to whatever their current condition may be. So in thinking about ourselves, even when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble, we can now know and rest in the fact that God will preserve our lives. Again, in other words, God will care and God will maintain us and God will be the one who keeps us. And so again, David shows us that we can continue to praise him. Moving in from there to verse 8, notice what David says. He says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, this particular passage is one that we need to hold on to, especially coming off of what we shared this morning in verses eight through 18 of 2 Timothy chapter one. We talked about how speaking with boldness could then lead to suffering, but yet we are still, as believers in Christ, called to guard the gospel. And so here's a passage that we need to hold on to. The Lord will fulfill his purpose purpose for me again there's another great passage to underline because here's the reality no matter where we find ourselves no matter what is happening in our lives we can now be confident in knowing that no matter what happens in our life God will fulfill his purpose for us this is why we see Jesus praying in the garden father not my will but yours be done It's the same prayer that we should have as believers. Father, we pray this way, however, not my will, but yours be done. Again, what another great promise to know that our Lord will keep us and sustain us until he has fulfilled his purpose for us. You see, just as God holds the gospel, as we talked about this morning, we can also see that not only does God hold and guard the gospel, God holds and guards his people as well. David then closes his word here in his prayer by saying, do not forsake. The work of your hands. Now, here's a prayer to God to do again as he pleases in the life of David. You see, David here realizes that his life is not his own, and so his life now belongs in the hands of a sovereign creator. This is why David says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. My life is yours. You do with my life whatever you please for your glory. You see, like David, we have much to be thankful for. We have a God who will hold us. We have a God who will keep us. We have a God who is with us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our heartaches, whether those heartaches are felt and known by the faith family around us or whether our heartaches is something that we just struggle with ourselves. But we can also rest in knowing that there is a day coming where we are gonna get the opportunity to thank God face to face. Where we're gonna get the opportunity to praise God when we are with him in eternity, eternity, praising his great name. So what does this mean for us tonight? Knowing that that day is coming where we will be before the Lord in glory, praising his name, let's see the opportunities that we have to worship and use this as practice for the day that is coming when we will get to sing of who he is, and we will do it directly to his face in all of eternity. And then until that day, let's recognize that God holds us, God keeps us. God's purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. And so help us to be bold witnesses for him. We serve a great and glorious God, a God who is worthy of our praise. And so, my encouragement to you would be the same encouragement that David gives us here in Psalm 138. Let's thank God for who he is. Let's thank God for what he has done. And let's thank God for the confidence we can now have in knowing him and knowing who we are in him. We have much to be thankful for. Having said that,